Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus. This is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Alex Sanchez here, David Gasper, per usual. 2022, David, here we are. And along with the new year is new top 50 lists. And joining us today as well is Kurt Moody, the Detroit Tigers correspondent for Prospects 1500. We got quite a show. David, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I am. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm all gassed up with some uh, some pepperoni pizza and some beer, and uh, I'm feeling good. We are doing this on a Friday. It's one of the first ones I think we've ever done on a Friday. I'm excited. Got the weekend ahead of us. And Kurt, how are you doing over there? I'm doing fantastic, guys. I I don't know if I can top David's pizza and beer, but I've got some Italian sausage and red wine. So ooh, a, that's nice. It's a crazy Friday night here. It's a little fancier than mine, but it works. Sounds like the adult version and then the kid version. <laughs> hey, I'm an adult, sort uh, of. Kurt, I have a question for you before we move on to baseball stuff, okay? And I, I'm just going to make a statement right now, and I want to know your honest thoughts about it. Don't hold back, all right? Never been known to. Go ahead. Of course, Kurt, very, very familiar with uh, the beer world, so I'm just going to – that's where this is headed. Sour beers are wonderful. Is That's a correct statement. Correct. Extra correct. With three exclamation exclamation points at the end. Sour beers are God's gift to beer. Excellent. I'm glad. As a Wisconsinite, I am wondering what in the hell you guys are thinking over there. <laughs> what? <laughs> that that oh. is. Oh, oh my God. Here's my take, because this I, mean, I don't want to go off on a rant here, but sour beer is so IPA in the craft world. IPA is still your number one style. It's all it's been the number one style for 10 years over the past two or three years. Sour beer has actually been the fastest growing segment of craft beer. Uh, the one beer that will always be in my refrigerator is a sour beer, and that's New Belgium Lips of Face series La Folie. It's a Flanders red Belgian sour. The it is heaven in a glass. Oh my goodness, you guys. Okay. <laughs> this is just okay. I'm not an IPA guy at all. Okay. As I'm sure you could uh imagine based on my comments, but oh my god, you guys are just this is just this is killing me here. <laughs> well, not everything can be new glaris spotted cow cream ale, sir. Well, no, of course not, because that is heaven in a glass, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love it. Anything right. New Glarus makes over there. All I want to say to this, and I tell this to all of my friends that give me that David Gasper response, is that, I mean, they have to like IPAs for this to make sense. But if you like an IPA, I, say, I always ask them, when did you have your first IPA and what did you think about it when you had your first taste of an IPA? And it's always, I nearly threw up when I had my always first IPA. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, at some point, they come back and then they love IPAs and it's their favorite. Sour beers, exactly the same thing. First t- time I tried it, I was a David Gasper. What in the world have they done to beer? And then it grows on you and boom, there you go. I, I completely agree. 
This is All right. shameful. I know. I'm glad you disagree. That made it more interesting. Dave. I'm so glad I joined this podcast yeah. this week. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. We can um, we can not talk about the AL Central. We can just talk about Wisconsin beer. I'm, I'd love to. We do. I mean, there are uh, there's some podcast potential there. Beer and, and beer uh, baseball, you know, and baseball and beer. I've already got the market cornered on that one. <laughs> All right, let's get serious here, boys. We do have the <laughs> AL Central to go over. All five teams in the AL Central have their top 50 lists up on the site, prospects1500.com. Please check them out. A lot of time and energy goes into these lists because anybody can make a top 10 list. Hell, you can make a top 20 list in a day. But a top 30, top 40, top 50 list is is a lot of effort and a lot of research goes into these. I know I can speak for myself because I've just completed my list today and uh, both you gentlemen have completed your top 50 list. Um, and I'm going to just stop here for a second as well, because, you know, we have a couple hundred listeners. We're doing we're doing all right for a podcast about minor league baseball players. Let's be honest. And uh, one of you one of you listeners out there, I don't know which one. I don't know who it is, but I know there's at least one person that I'm going to blow their mind right now. Okay. Prospects 1500. There are 30 teams. We each do 50 <laughs> prospects per team. 50 times 30 is 1500, 1500. That's where we get our name. One of you listeners are like, Oh, wow. I got Tim. It. I knew it was you, Tim. Tim. I know you, I know you've got your mind blown right now. God, if that's true. <laughs> one, of, one of the things I've always joked with Scott, our president about is, don't make me too angry. I'll go make prospects1530.com. <laughs> we, we can have that eight-minute abs, seven-minute abs competition where I just go one prospect more. Yeah. It is a wonderful thing. You uh, will not find a more comprehensive list anywhere I've looked. <laughs> I have um, in, my, in my researching, right? I mean, you get 30 if you're lucky from a few publications out there. Um, we're giving you 50. We're, uh, we, we changed up our format a little bit this year, and then I want to give you guys an opportunity to go over your process. But if you've noticed in the past, usually you've had a, a write-up for every player, uh, 1 through 50. But we noticed that, you know, a lot of those <laughs> 30 to 50 range players weren't being read. And, and, and so we've changed up the format a little bit this year, and I think it's a little bit cleaner Despite the fact that maybe you're not getting as much information about each individual player, the fact that you can now look through it and see, okay, this is the list, and you can get a, a snapshot of it. Um, as you'll notice when you open up a list is we have the first three tiers just as normal. You'll have a write-up on each person. And then when you get to the tier four and tier five, you'll see purely a list, just you know, 26 through 38 or whatever it was. And this the player with the position and the – level that they were at and then at the bottom of that list you'll have a little write-up on uh, a few of the ones to highlight so what did you guys think of that change i thought it was a very clean um transition to uh something that could be more useful for for people but i wanted to to know what you guys thought of that well sorry with sorry i got i got remember i got two people here kurt what do you think <laughs> i i loved it alex i think that it focuses the attention span of our readers. I mean, let's be honest, in today's world, uh, we'll be lucky if you scroll down on your mouse wheel three times to read something. So in in order to make sure that you see how, how deep our correspondents go, you know, 50, as you mentioned, 50 players means we're pulling some names that 
your average fans and and even some dynasty league players just have never heard of. So in order to get that kind of in front of the reader faster, I love the the condensed list. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it certainly makes it a a lot easier and a lot quicker to finish up writing um, rather than having a 50 player write ups to do only having maybe about, you know, 20, 25 or so. Um, and then just kind of, you know, wrapping up a bit easier um, with the tier four and tier five guys. Um, I liked it, you know, go, going through and uh, it really helped uh, tighten things up. Yeah. And to David's point, you know, those tier five guys, how we do our rankings, those are guys that really have an outside chance of making the team's 40 man. So it's kind of hard to do even one sentence without sounding negative on some of their uh, you know, outlooks, both in real life baseball and in dynasty baseball. Yeah, exactly. And I had uh, a couple of guys, they were, they're, they're like 23, 24 year olds in rookie ball, you know, older for that level. And I would have said like almost the same thing for each one of them. And now I just kind of all group them together and say, so-and-so is, you know, in the ACL, they're a little older, but keep an eye on them. And so like, it was just easier for us too. And we can focus on the names that people want, which are usually the top ones right and, and that's who we're going to go over a lot today as well but i mean we got to find those gems and there's there's just no way you can find the gems without going deep into these systems and you can't know all the systems so i love the way that we each do it and um you know we might be wrong but we're gonna go we all have our guys in our system that were like hey this guy is legit and so we will talk to you kurt about your tigers but before we do what i wanted to go over just one a uh, minute or so each maybe about your process on ranking. What exactly do you hold high and maybe something that you kind of fade a little bit? For instance, for me, a catcher is always just going to be slightly lower than perhaps you would see them on a traditionalist because for dynasty purposes, I'm just not in love with investing in catchers, but that's very unique to me. I can't speak for all other rankers on what they do. So I wanted to hear a little bit, David, uh, what was your process uh, and what do you hold highly in terms of value when it comes to your prospects for your brewers i mean for me there it's kind of a, a mix you know of you know like real life you know value what what are these guys roles going to be what's their what's their ceiling you know i'm i don't know exactly how to to describe uh my process i mean a lot of it i think can just kind of be Described just just by like gut feel, just looking at them, looking at the the tools that they have, the stats that they've put up, uh, just kind of a combination of of all of them, and and just kind of believing who could end up being the best uh, big leaguers uh, from this group, and and trying to to rank them accordingly. And then Kurt, what do you? Uh, is there anything that you think that maybe makes your list a little bit unique as as opposed to our other writers? So one thing I firmly believe in, and I'm a, if you, you follow me on Twitter at all at debt underscore guru underscore Kurt, you'll learn that I am a firm believer of the hashtag. There is no such thing as a prospect pitcher. Uh, so it's tough for me to put pitchers in the top five, let alone a handful of them in the top 10, just because, I mean, let's be honest, chicks dig the long ball and offense still is more fun to to look at in prospects than pitching in my eyes. Uh, so I'm usually a little bit more offense heavy in my list than pitchers, but along with, you know, my beer nerd, I'm a data nerd. So I take all of the minor league clubs, season ending team stats, 
and kind of assign rankings for lead leaders and average and home runs and RBIs, and then try to use kind of a analytical view of if you're first in this category, second in this, first in this, you should be first overall. Interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. And as long as we're all clear, you know, about what our processes are, and I think that's a good time to read our paragraphs intro. Um, in you know, most of the writers have, have given a paragraph about what they're doing, and, and hopefully you get a, an idea of what's important to us. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a slightly different. And as long as you know what's going into the process, I think that really helps. So, um, all right, boom, we got that out of the way here. So we have the uh, the process, and now we can look at some of the results for these AL Central teams. So let's take a break right here, so we can have uh, a little bit of a um, some advertising uh, <laughs> uh and then we'll be back and talk about your tigers and the rest of the al central so stay tuned we'll be right back Magnificent trio here of Kurt Moody, David Gasper, and myself, Alex Sanchez, joining you here on Futures Focus. Brought to you by Prospects 1500. We are ready to start going over some of these lists. So why don't we save the Tigers for last? So make sure that everybody listens. Um, and uh, we'll start with some of these other teams just to go over, um, you know, uh, an overview of perhaps the top guys and maybe one or two guys that are a little lesser known that. We might like so White Sox, India. Oh my gosh, I did it. I knew I was going to do it. Oh, five dollar in the jar. Guardians, yeah. Tigers, and uh, Royals and Twins are the teams we'll be going over today. Uh, dealer's choice, Kurt, you're our guest. Which team did you want to start with? Well, let's get my least favorite out of the way and let's uh-huh. throw those Cleveland Guardians into the mix at number one. That way, the bad taste in my mouth of Cleveland, Ohio, will be gone by the time I talk about Detroit. Yeah, we'll start off with the the Guardians, and right away we have something to talk about because for me, uh, Tier One are some elite prospects, and we have three chosen here by Kevin uh, Sleds. They are George Valera at number one, Tyler Freeman at number two, our boy, friend of the podcast. And three, Daniel Espino at number uh, for uh, rounding out the tier one. And tier one, by the way, players with high expectations of both making the majors and playing at an all-star level for a number of years. Let's start there. Should it be zero? Should it be one? Should it be two? Should it be three? What do you think about this Guardian system, David? I mean, uh, I think it's a, a fairly solid system. I mean, they've been uh, cutting down on their big league roster in recent years to uh, focus on that farm and you know I mean Valera is someone that they could really kind of use sooner rather than later I mean Cleveland has really been a uh, short on uh, good hitting outfielders for a number of years Valera I think is going to be a huge boost for them um, you know Freeman friend of the podcast he's been a really really good player and Espino I mean Cleveland has had a lot of success with uh, pitching development and I know uh, you guys may not be as big fan of pitching prospects, Kurt, as you explained earlier. Um, but 
Cleveland just has a way of, of churning out really, really good pitchers. And Espino looks like uh, he's going to be another one of the, the next group. So what is the answer then? Should they all three be in tier one in your opinion? Yeah, sure. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Kurt? What do you think? I'm going to politely disagree like sour beer with David. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I like, We're on this I again. Like, I really like Valera and Freeman in the tier one. I do. Uh, I think, but not the David, pitcher. Shocking. But <laughs> shocking. Here's your shocker. Uh, Espino is an amazing talent. Twenty years old. Uh, great pitch arsenal. Uh, it's still to me twenty is is tough for me to get a real judge on how he's going to handle AAA or major league batters. Uh, but Valera, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind Valera is going to be an outfielder in that progressive field or Jacobs field. I can't even remember what they call it now. He's he's going to just murder baseballs into that left field, uh, spray, really spray them everywhere. And then Freeman, Freeman's just average and hitting to all fields with like gap power speed. I mean, he is what an infielder. He's he's Lindor's heir apparent in in Cleveland, and I think he's going to fill those shoes uh, confidently. I am going to like with the sour beer agree with Kurt there. I do think that Valera and Freeman could have great cases to be in tier one. Espino, um, it's not even the pitching prospect uh, our dangerous idea for me. I just I I don't know if he's. I mean, I ranked him pretty low in our top 100 um, aggregate. So I, I just haven't seen enough, I guess, is a good answer, like Kurt was saying, to see him. Um, I don't even know if I would put him three. I mean, I kind of like uh, Rocio better, Noel better. If I was drafting, I think I would pick both of those ahead. So um, and to me, those aren't tier one. So that's kind of where I land. But um, you, you got to respect the, the love for Espino there, because I have seen Espino really high for a lot of people. I mean, there's no doubt about it. People are um, some people are really, really all in on him. So I, I get yeah. it. I get it. And when you're Kevin and you're a Cleveland specific guy, yeah. you're going to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. on him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of our correspondents like to put the pitcher that they're highest on up there, because even if you were to build this with three shortstops in the in ahead of Espino, it it feels low to have that what you consider to be a future ace. So, I mean, it's, it's respectable that he's that high. Uh, yeah. I mean, 20 with that, that stuff's pretty special, but yeah, like, like you said, there, the chances of uh, something getting in the way as a pitcher with that stuff, just, it seems like everybody goes through that. <clears throat> Let's move on then to, uh, to tier two with, a again, a lot of positional players. I mean, David, you said that, and I agree with you, that the Guardians are very, very good at developing pitchers, but the top seven only have one pitcher, which I think tells you how good these guys are because there is a lot of, uh, and they're all in the dirt too. Like, I guess Nolan Jones is probably going to the outfield at some point because let's be honest, I mean, the Guardians don't have outfielders (laughs) anywhere in the major league roster. So like somebody's going to have to play out there, but I, I guess these infielders can. So, um, who are your uh, your favorites there of the 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 infielders in tier two, which is Brian Rocio, Gabriel Arias, Nolan Jones, and John Kesky Noel? 
David, uh, we'll, we started with you, David. Let's go to Kurt first here. Uh, out of out of their tier two, uh, I I think Noel is the highest prospect that I fear in the AL Central coming up in the Guardian system. You know, 20 years old. Uh, I know he is only at high A, but I think this year will be a chance for him to get into double A and possibly even triple A, depending on his performance in double A. Uh, I, I, I believe Noel is actually probably in my opinion, better than, you know, Rocio and, and Arias at four and five. Yeah. I get a, I can, I don't know about Rocio, but I can give you Arias as well. David, uh, prospect fatigue equals Nolan Jones, true or false. Uh, I think that's I think that's becoming true. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, with, he's up to what twenty three now. He was he drafted out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was five curve. years ago now. I mean, so that yeah, prospect fatigue definitely starting to set in. I mean, this is someone that you know I th- I think everyone kind of would have expected he would have graduated from prospect status by now. Um, and he and he only, and he he reached AAA last year. Wasn't quite able to make his his major league debut. Uh, but I mean he had that slow start, but. Uh, yeah, prospect fatigue setting in a little bit, um, but if he can get off to a, a hot start uh, this year, uh, I think he can uh, he can reverse that and just put himself in a good spot to to earn a starting role with with Cleveland, and then you know all the hype will just be determined from there. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with what you're saying. Um, don't sleep on him. I think a lot of people are. Um, by the way, the one pitcher that did make that tier that I did not uh, that I did not mention, Gavin Williams, right-handed pitcher coming in at number eight. After number eight, I love that pick. Yeah, good, good, good player. Um, but let's move on to tier three, just so uh, we could try to hit all the systems. Um, tier three includes Bo Naylor, a, a guy I really like here at number ten, Angel Martinez. He's just another shortstop. I mean, one of these guys are going to be. A superstar. I just don't know exactly which one, I guess. Um, the other Logan Allen at number 11. Um, anybody here catch your guys' eye, David, that you, uh, you you think you should highlight? Uh, Tanner Burns uh, at oh, 17 my- as well. Oh. <laughs> you took me. You took him from me. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy, I mean, just uh, uh, drafted fairly recently, too. Um, and, you know, like, like I've been saying with, with the these pitching prospects in Cleveland, they just have a way of turning them out. And, um, you know, I, I know he's down at 17 um, in, in Kevin's rankings here. And, I mean, maybe he subscribes a little bit more to, Kurt, your philosophy on uh, pitching prospects and uh, mm-hmm. how they should be ranked. But, yeah, I, I think Burns is someone that uh, is going to be a big piece of that Cleveland rotation in the future as well. And since... Clearly, he has a uh, he took your guy there. Uh, I did want to highlight Peyton Battenfield, who, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, uh, when we've had pars list out here, is absolutely in love with this guy uh, clocking in at 18. As I'm looking over these names, look at these ages, guys. Have you noticed this? Like they're all 23, 24, 25. And I know we're supposed to be uh, we don't care about the age. Right. That's we've had that discussion. Ages, but a number, but a number. But man, little older prospects here. Um, at least in my system, I was dealing with 17 and 18 year olds a lot with the Padres. So, um, that's cause you traded everybody. Yeah. So these and, guys, are gonna, these are all potentially guys that can make impacts. I mean, we're talking about triple a and double a talent here for the, the guardians. 
um, with a lot of openings at the Major League roster. This is going to be exciting um, if you want your prospects to uh, help you right away. So those dynasty teams that you guys have that, you know, you're you're competing, targeting these guys makes a whole lot of sense because I just imagine them just kind of, you. all right, who's ready? You're ready. Come on up. Boom. You suck. You're back down. We got somebody else. Oh, we got something over here. Lotto ticket exploded. And one of these guys, two of these guys, three of these guys could be just great finds in 2022. Um, as we move on here, anybody else you want to mention that? Uh, See, that for, your eye? for me, it's Isaiah Green. Oh, uh, yes. Really for two reasons. One, 20 years old. Uh, I, I've, When I watch him play, I think of an old Cleveland outfielder. Uh, I honestly think he's Kenny Lofton in, in an outfield. You know. He's going to hit for average. He's going to get on base through walks. And when he's on base, he's going to be dangerous on base. Uh, 20 years old, came over from the Mets in that Lindor trade. Uh, I think that this full year of minor league system ball, we're going to see what type of player Isaiah Green's going to end up being. This system's really good. I mean, we haven't even talked about Carson Tucker, um, who was a hot commodity there for a minute. Um, we haven't talked about. Will Benson, who is prospect fatigue down at 42. Um, there are a lot of good good names. This is an a underrated list, um, especially for, like I said, these these guys are up quickly. I mean, um, really interesting stuff. All right, David, dealer's choice. Who are we moving on to next for our overview? Well, I think uh, I think it's time that we take a little trot down to uh, Kansas City. Uh, and look at uh, some of the big prospects down there, most specifically Bobby Witt Jr. Oh, God, I love him so much. So He's good. the sour beers of of prospects. He he is he is your new Hudson Head, right? Uh, no, he is far. <laughs> I'm not the only one that likes Bobby Witt, I don't think. I think we all do. I mean, is there anything to say about about Bobby Witt he Jr. is Bobby Witt Jr. and he is most likely that. going to be making his debut uh, very early, if not opening day in 2022. Whenever that comes, if uh, MLB can get things figured out with the lockout, but that is a whole completely different issue. I don't know. I don't know how he cannot be the opening day shortstop for the service role. time manipulation. Yeah, well, and, and that was going to be my very next sentence is the only reason why he should not be the starting shortstop on opening day is to control him for another year, which that's a whole other podcast because he is major league ready. He is a generational talent. He's a franchise transitional talent. It's it's going to be impressive to watch. Yeah. And we don't really even know what manipulation time is now moving forward it might not be a thing so yeah, it might change right with away. the cba and then and then I'm they saying. can put him out there opening day all right Here's steamer something. has steamer has his projections 500 at bats 24 home runs 18 stolen bases and 267 without a major league plate appearance to date what do you guys think i i think he'll do better than like what jared kelnick did when he had his major league debut, you know, Kelnick was, <laughs> I Kelnick struggled. I don't think Bobby Witt's going to struggle when he hits major league pitching. I just, I see his swing. I see his approach. I see his attitude. Uh, he is patient. He's, 
not just trying to launch a ball into into the freaking fountains every time. It's it's going to be different for him. Yeah, I mean, those are pretty ridiculous projections for a guy that's going to be a rookie and has no plate appearances. It's pretty insane because they're conservative to begin with. That's not too conservative. <laughs> that's a really good season for a 21-year-old. My goodness. Um, all right. Uh, again, you listen to this podcast, Bobby Witt Jr., good, and tomorrow the sun will rise. I mean, obvious stuff. Let's move on to Tier 2. Um, David. Yes. Your boy, Asa Lacey. You loved him um, mm-hmm. a while back, and I'm I'm interested to know, yeah, go have on. you gone down? Or has the stock going, uh, stayed the same? What do you think about that lefty? You know, I, I once had uh, – that. this was a couple years ago. I'm, I'm going to tell you the story of this other uh, starting pitcher that I had very firm uh, belief in, and right away he performed terribly, uh, and, he, and he made me look like an idiot uh, for believing in him. But then – Two years later, he comes back and he wins the National League Cy Young. I'm going to guess right. it's a brewer. It's Corbin Burns. <laughs> um, Asa Lacey. I said, you know, okay, yeah, this dude's going to be good. I really like him. Comes out last year, does horrible. So I, th- I think he's still going to turn around. I, I think he's still got time. I mean, he's 22. Um, you know, he, he's just got to, you know, find that command again. Uh, he's He had it before. He had it in college. He's got the stuff. Um, it's just kind of a matter of, of getting that back. So I, I think Lacey's going to end up being fine. There's still time. Uh, there's still a lot of talent there. Um, it's just, a, I think going to be a matter of getting his head right and just kind of shaking everything off and moving on to a new season and making the adjustments that he needs to. The, uh, the walks, man. I, it, I know they're crazy. Know. Um, he had a really good fall performance as well mm-hmm. in the Arizona Fall League until you get to the walks again there I mean I, I'm assuming okay but there was also out. like a billion walks in the Arizona Fall League I don't know if like if you looked at the stats but like it was insane like how much they were walking like everywhere okay, across David, I'm gonna, the Arizona I'm gonna Fall tell League. you this he had a lower walk rate than his 2021 season at Quad Cities and it clocks in at seven walks <sighs> per nine it was bad and that's yeah. 50, 52 innings. I mean, that's that's just really bad. But you know what? It reminds me a lot of Mackenzie Gore, where, yeah, you could quit him. You could just say, oh, isolate. One, he's awful. But the stuff and the arm, being from the left side, you give these guys some chances. And I wrote about this in my top 50 about Gore. I think it applies to Lacey as well, is that these prospects, these especially pitching prospects, they're not linear. They are going to develop at different rates in different ways. And like your boy Corbin Burns, a great example is sometimes we we expect them to be so great and then they're not. And then we just write them off. And that would have been a huge mistake to do with Corbin Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to remember that. So, um, but at three. Pitching three, progression, I mean, is, like it, it's not linear. You yeah, know, it, player yeah. growth development, it's not linear. Yeah, Lacey might be a great example of that because um, he is getting faded a lot of places. I mean, I don't know if I'd have him as high as three. Uh, I like Nick Prado a lot. And uh, maybe, Kurt, um, you could talk about Prado or Melendez, whoever you feel like. But those are two guys that um, seem to be a lot safer than Lacey in this system right now. I agree. And and I like Nick Prado better than I like Melendez or Lacey. Mm. Uh, 
And and just to give one sentence on Lacey, he looks like a strikeout pitcher who's trying to nibble on the edges too much and not just trusting that he can miss bats with with tremendous arm slot and spin. But that's just my one sentence on Lacey because he's a good Texas Aggie. I love Nick Prado. Uh, Nick Prado and Bobby Witt tag teamed Triple A this past year, and them at the top of the lineup. Uh, in Kansas City, Nick Prado, the one thing is still worrisome, and Kevin called it out in his art in his article was the strikeout rate from Prado's got to get better. Uh, he's either going to hit ahead or behind of a Bobby Witt or a Witt Merrifield. He can't be striking out because you know those guys ahead of him or behind him are going to hit. So for me, Prado is the biggest upside in this tier two. Uh, it's it, the strikeouts the only thing that worry me. Yeah, what I love about Prado uh, are the stolen bases. As silly as it sounds, I mean he's stolen bases at every level um, for a first baseman that are just really, really valuable. If you can get ten to fifteen stolen bases from your first baseman is insane, and I don't think people factor that in as nearly as much as they should because uh, he will give you that. And he's he's. He's awesome. He's going to be, and he gets on base. So there's a lot to like fantasy-wise with Nick Prado. Um, after Prado was Kyle Isbell, who did make his debut. It was a, you know, I, he got off to a really nice start and then sort of faded a little bit. Um, anybody else here that we should talk about in tier two before we move on? Not David. David, what did you think about their draft? I, I did want to ask you that. Frank Mazzucato. Yeah. What a what, the. First round pick, what was it, the seventh pick? Seventh overall pick, yeah. Nobody those... had that in their projections, right? I mean, this was no, a no. He was guy. he was projected more like a sandwich round, second round type dude. I mean, he was he was moving up. He threw four no hitters in a row. All right, <laughs> so like that's something. He's got something there. Uh, seven was early. It was definitely uh, playing with slot money uh, with what they did there. But I mean, he's. He's a talented, uh, tall, lefty pitcher um, that's got some really good stuff. Um, I mean, we'll just kind of see if they're able to uh, develop him. I mean, we know we kind of they struggled initially with Asa Lacy uh, last year, so hopefully Mazzucato can get off to a bit of a better start. But um, as, as a high school arm, there's a lot more risk, um, obviously. But we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, he's a talented pitcher and. Uh, he's going to be one to at least keep an eye on when he makes his debut this year. And, Look, and my, my thought on Mazzucato is, was it a reactionary pick to how bad Lacey's season was? And and yeah. I say that with, one, did they see, oh, man, this left-handed pitcher we took isn't performing. We need to fill that, you know, slot in our in our system. And then, two, the fact that his curveball is his go-to I, I just fear high school left-handed pitcher curveball. Is this is this kid destined for Tommy John before he hits the pros? Not or is he Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he named that game to mind, David. Absolutely. So for every five, there's yeah. the Clayton Kershaw. Yep. I right, agree. yeah. 50. 50. <laughs> um, but it's also not a death curse anymore. You know, it's a, just a one year off and come yeah. back, build up your strength again. Really good observation there. And I, I'll end it with this is that sometimes we get to be too smart when it comes to these prospects and in our dynasty leagues. Um, yeah, he was a, a reach and he's a slot deal, but 
that mean that doesn't mean you have to fade him. <laughs> he still could be quite good. Again, if he's a guy that gets drafted in the third round and has a a huge debut, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at this unknown guy that I have. And just because he's a first rounder and he probably sh- doesn't deserve that overall pick talent wise, doesn't mean that he's bad. And I think a lot of people are going to make that mistake with him. Don't pick him seventh overall in your first year player draft. But there's going to be a people that just I'm not drafting him. Uh, I just move on. So don't make that mistake. Um, the Royal system too, quite deep here as we get into tier three, a couple of guys I like, and then you can take off uh, any, any, in the direction you guys like. But Nick Lofton, I've always liked, and Michael Massey as well. Two guys that are really similar um, in terms of the value that I hold for him, them in Dynasty Leagues up the middle. Um, Jackson Kowar, I love, I think, at 25 with one of the best changeups in the minor leagues and now in the major leagues uh, that you need to just ignore. 2021, a rookie season, all that linear talk we did earlier about Lacey, I think applies really well to Kowar. With a little, you know, he wasn't walking guys. He's got the changeup. And that changeup is really, really good. Um, and then Eric Pena, I have no idea. I was ready to uh, put him into a top 50 at some at one point. And now, like, um, I'm ready to drop him on teams. I mean, one Dynasty League I did. I'm like, all right, see you later, Pena. So um, Alec Marsh is a big name, too, from the past as well. So pretty deep system really here, huh? What do you think, Kurt? I like Daryl Collins, uh, you know, and our, excuse me, our prospects 1500 list. He sits at 15, the last spot there in that tier three, uh, 20 year old outfielder who doesn't really strike out a lot. He gets on base. He puts the ball into play. Uh, it's, it's that same mentality of some of these bats in the future, of Kansas city baseball just need people ahead of them to get on base. And I think Daryl Collins could be one of those guys. Uh, you talked about Prado's speed. If, if you've got two or three guys who have a high on base percentage and you follow that up with, you know, wit or Prado's and, or Melendez's power, that's dangerous. So I really like the idea of, of Collins, you know, becoming that kind of speedster stolen bases uh and and high high on base percentage after that yeah. tier tier four tier five um just a, a, i mean i recognize a lot of these names which means that like there's a lot of stuff down here to like too i think daniel vasquez a 17 year old shortstop is super interesting at 22 i've always loved brady mcconnell for unknown reasons in my mind but um he had a lot of power there in florida before he was drafted um he's down at 42 um, David, anybody else you wanted to mention before we move on? Um, I don't think so. It's a good system. I think those two are, uh, are. I mean, this whole central has some really good systems until we get to the White Sox. But like, they're really, really good. So um, let's do that now. Actually, why don't we go on? It's my turn to choose, right? So we'll yeah. we'll we'll go over the White Sox. Um, tier one, there's nobody. Easy. Nobody's even close to tier one, in my opinion. Um, Jose Rodriguez. Now, I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's the state of the system, but um, I haven't done a lot of research on Jose Rodriguez. I recognize the name. I know he's a middle infielder. Um, do either of you have a, a good little scatter report on Jose Rodriguez? He is the number one overall prospect right now for the Chicago White Sox. Nope. The The only thing I've ever paid attention to Jose Rodriguez is he's – He's got just such quick hands and a good bat. Uh, what I struggle with is at number one, he doesn't have 
you know, top tool trade power. He's not going to hit 40 and drive in 100. But then with his with his bat, I honestly don't see him hitting over 300. So what is he? Is he a 275 hitter with a high on base and low strikeout? Uh, I think it speaks, like you said, Alex, to the state of this overall system. Yeah, he's interesting, though. I mean, a 20-year-old doing the things he did at uh, high A and double A um, are pretty impressive. But, uh, yeah, no standout tool that's going to carry a fantasy team. Um, but, you know, he's on the, the middle infield. I always always like those. <laughs> um, maybe you can talk, David, about Colson Montgomery, uh, the number one pick for the White Sox in 2021, at, coming in at number two on Daniel's list. Yeah, Montgomery, their uh, first-round pick uh, in the in the draft this last year. I mean, really athletic guy. And I mean, he's, he's big for a shortstop at six foot four. Um, so, I mean, he's got plenty of power that he can bring from that position. Um, and if he's able to stay at shortstop uh, going forward and have that kind of power and that kind of hitting ability, I mean, that's, I mean, Montgomery's probably the closest thing they could have to a potential tier one player uh, in the, in the near hmm. future. Um, he's not quite there yet. I mean, he just, he just got drafted. Um, but if he has a strong showing, uh, this year, then, I mean, he could, he could perhaps vault himself up into that category. Yeah. Decent debut for him too. I just, I wonder what his standout tools going to be as well. He's very similar in that regard to Jose Rodriguez. Like, okay, he might be a really good shortstop in the, in real life, but what is he going to actually do for, your dynasty team. Uh, there's only one other player in tier two, and I, I'm, I'm not meaning to laugh, but that's what you get when you are uh, World Series contenders, I suppose. Um, and you graduated, uh, everybody. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Norge, or is it Nor? Uh, it must be Norge. Norge. Norge Carlos Vera. Yeah, a right-hander. Um, we'll, we'll have, you know, Dan, Daniel has been on this podcast before. I'm sure we'll bring him in, and uh, we can talk about his list a little bit more because we're getting into the guys that he's seen and and talk to. I mean, he's really good with that stuff. But um, back you know, in tier three already at our fourth overall prospect, um, Jake Berger, who made his MLB debut. Micker Aldolfo, who, again, he's been around seemingly forever, 25-year-old. <laughs> but um, interesting re- uh, write-up. Did you guys see Victor's write-up on Adolfo really uh, uh, showing off that power um, that could be mm-hmm. fantasy enticing moving forward? Um, but yeah, Adolfo has been around forever too. Um, Brian Ramos. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel bad moving on. I feel bad moving well, on, but anything else? To the, talk? Only two, the only two that stand out to me is purely from a hobby standpoint. <laughs> yeah. And that's Yoel P. Cespedes and, and Yolbert Sanchez of, you know, two 24 year old international signings who, at times look like they are just men playing amongst boys. And then it looks like they disappear for a whole month. So it's, it's frustrating from a prospect lover of baseball. It's not disappointing as a tiger fan, but I thought Yoelki or Yolbert both would be, you know, major league team contributors. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, let's move on then. What do you say? Let's get those twins done, and then we can talk about your Tigers. I do want to spend, uh, you know, we got to spend time on those Tigers. So the twins are interesting as well. Um, definitely a disappointing 2021 for them. But, uh, you know, the prospects that did get called up in 2021 
um, I'm still very excited for, and they're not prospects now, but, you know, Karloff and, and Larnick, I think, are just two underrated guys that you can get in Dynasty and regular redraft leagues for super cheap, and you should. Um, in one league, I actually got a third-round first-year player draft for Trevor Larnick. That's what I got offered that, and I took it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, yeah, the Twins are definitely worth talking about um, because similar to the Guardians, a lot of these guys are going to be ready to come up really, really quickly. So, uh, Tier 1, Kurt, Austin Martin. Um, tier, I think we could debate that. What do you think? Is he a Tier 1 player? Yes, question mark. Uh, if there was a Tier 1B... Uh, the the Minnesota Twins, or as some of us like to refer to them, the the Blue Jays of the Central with their prospect list they have right now. Uh, I like Austin Martin. I loved him coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, I don't know whether Austin Martin wants to be the player that Austin Martin can be. And I don't want to get through psychology. I'm no psych major. I hope that a change of scenery going from Toronto to to Minnesota system reignites the fire for him to love the game. Because watching him in Vander at Vanderbilt was just, you know, another world where he should be in tier one. The way he played in 2021, I I don't know if he's tier one. What do you think, David? I mean, I think he's certainly got the talent to be. Um... And, you know, with that and yeah, as as Kurt mentioned, you know, perhaps a change of scenery uh, will help. I don't know if it is all psychologically or if he was just having a down year um, over there in in Toronto system and struggling and that kind of took his joy away or, or whatever it was. But, um, you know, perhaps with the, with the change of scenery and, and being over there in Minnesota, um, that, that could that could help, but he certainly has every he has all the talent, all the ingredients to be a tier one player. Yeah, what's interesting is actually performed better for Toronto than he did in Minnesota system. So really, when you look at the stats, like they, it, you know, it reminds me a lot of Jordan Groshans. Like everybody is fading Groshans now, but he really didn't do anything bad. He just didn't hit like 30 home runs. And Austin mm-hmm. Martin really didn't do anything bad. He had a great on-base percentage. I mean, for, oh, over 400 on-base percentage. Chipped in 14 steals um, and just had those five home runs. And I'm, I, that's what our eyes are trained to do is to think, okay, we should be seeing power in the minors. if These guys are going to be successful major leaguers. And we don't know what they're working on, right? Maybe, you know, I know Jordan Groshans is working on uh, – he wasn't worried about the power. He, You know, I've heard reports that he – he, he's trying to work on some other things. So I'm, I'm wondering if Austin Martin has something like that, like, hey, work on getting on base, work on your walk rate. Don't worry about the power. We're not asking you to hit 30 home runs right now. So uh, like you said, the tools are there, although he didn't hit a bunch of home runs in college either. So maybe we were wrong to expect a 25, 30 home run guy here um, and just be happy with uh, a solid all around second baseman, probably that we can put all over the diamond because he's going to play the outfield. He's going to play third base, maybe even get some shortstop eligibility, like a Martin Prado type of player. Maybe that's just what he is. And is that a tier one though? And and that's where I, the, I guess that's where the debate was at. Right. So Kurt, you had a maybe David, what was your final answer for that? Um, Kind of also a, a maybe, I guess. I'm, I mean, he's got the talent to be, so I mean, I understand with ranking him there. Yeah, no, I'm full in on him as a tier one player. I think he's going to be an all-star player. Um, 
and he's going to do it all over the diamond. And I, I don't see any reason to really drop him more than wherever you had him at the beginning of the season. Maybe he didn't do, ex- you know, some of the stuff that you, you know, hoped for. But, man, I don't know why pe- there are people dropping him like 60, 70 spots in rankings. And that's just too much for me. So still a tier one player for me. Um, Royce Lewis, worth talking about as well. Um, the injury. I haven't heard many updates about Royce Lewis. Have you, uh, Kurt, have you heard anything about Royce Lewis moving forward? Um, I'm assuming that he's good to go, but I, I just don't hear a lot from him. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause it's even when Royce Lewis was healthy, you didn't hear a whole lot of chatter around him. It was more of a, you know, silent, but, but killer when you looked at just what numbers he was putting up. I haven't heard anything coming off of the ACL, but but I love him at two. I, I I still believe in Royce Lewis. I know there's people who think this injury should have knocked him down lower, but I think he comes back stronger. That fall, remember that fall ball league he did in 2019? That's yes, that's that's what I'm still holding on to. <laughs> I, I am too. Yeah. Um. I agree. And I, there's just nobody else that I think I can even argue uh, or even ask you, David, like, oh, what do you think about this guy ahead of Royce Lewis? Uh, I'm assuming that's where he clocks in for you, too, on this system. Yeah, yeah, he's up there and he was able to take uh, some live at bats and, and play in uh, instructional league games uh, this fall. So he was able to get something, you know, back going and get kind of some at bats, some game uh, experience under his legs um th- this past fall before heading into spring this year so i mean i think number two and and tier two is a good spot for him right now while he's rehabbing from that acl um and you know perhaps he could jump back up into tier one depending on how he performs uh this season when he comes back and you know when he does come back i mean he could vault up to to the big leagues relatively quickly i mean he's also been he's been a prospect for a while and um you know he's someone that if he's able to hit the ground running and, and perform well, uh, he could end up grabbing a spot. Yeah, I think that, you know, 22 years old, lots of time here for him. And it's not like it was a struggle. It was a, a catastrophic injury that athletes have come back from. A lot of athletes have mm-hmm. come back from. Maybe it saps a little bit of his speed, but definitely worth uh, getting if you still can on the cheap. When I opened this Twins list, though, I did half expect Jose Miranda to be way up and just go all in on this guy because his 2021 was incredible. Um, Kurt, was I, you know, little maybe I'm a little over anxious on Jose Miranda because he has him all the way down at seven. Um, that's David Funnel uh, all the way down at seven here for the Twins. And I, I just I feel like I would take Miranda ahead of Ryan and Duran and Woods Richardson and Belazovic. And I'd slot him probably in at three, to be honest. I'm I'm right there with you. I think I think the four pitchers in front of them are are good pitchers. I think they have potential to be solid starters. But Miranda at seven is is my kind of O face when I looked at the top ten. I think Miranda deserves to be at number three ahead of Balazovic. Uh you know, he you talked about Austin Martin's ability to go around the diamond. I mean, it's pointed out in the in the article. Uh, I I apologize from Dave, and Dave calls out. You know, he played 
how many games in different positions? 13 at first, 20 at second, 39 at third, and three in the outfield. Uh, to be able to do that defensively and still put up the great 2021 offensive numbers insane. Is, is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. May, I mean, there is... We have seen this before, you know, where guys come out of he came out of nowhere. I mean, honestly, he, nothing in his past suggested this. Um, so I understand that aspect of it. David, what do you think? Um, seven or three? You have to pick. <laughs> oh, now I have to pick between. one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I could be hard on you. Five, I be how about right in the middle? No, no that's uh, what Kurt, our nice guest, gets the easy questions. You get the tough ones. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, you guys have have talked plenty about Miranda and yeah, his season was phenomenal. And, um, you know, maybe it's just, I don't know. I mean, you guys don't really like, uh, pitchers as much over, over position players and putting them over, well, you got four pitchers right in front of them. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Miranda's a really good player brings, you know, a lot, um, to, you know, the, the stat sheet, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the twin system as well as to where to put them. Right. And the one thing about Miranda that I think does nudge him down some lists, uh, maybe why Dave has him at seven. I know MLB.com has him at eight is Josh Donaldson's at third base getting paid $20 million. Kirilov had a decent rookie year last year. So where does Miranda fit? You know, if the twins aren't very good, do they maybe trade off Donaldson to a to a contender and and get rid of the cash and and Miranda gets a space? But at least for the next couple of years, that utility mindset of Miranda is kind of what he has to be. Yeah. And Dave mentioned that possible second base. And man, if you can get Miranda at second base, that's I mean, that's intriguing <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Um Matt Cantorino, awesome stuff. Honestly, like I like him just as much as those pitchers ahead. Um, and and David, you know, calling us out on our anti-pitching love, and it's it's it is true. He's right, <laughs> but part of it also is like I don't see ace potential out of those guys. But with Matt Cantorino, I could see him exploding to be that um, ace or number two in a list. Whereas these other guys ahead of him, Woods Richardson. Duran, Ryan, we've already like seen, I think the, you know, what he is at this point. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, so it, interesting there, but this is an, a, a deep system too. We're getting in uh, to tier three here. Aaron Sabato is a, is a hobby love guy as well. I know Kurt, uh, you'll probably agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Cavaco Arbina down here as well, are, are really interesting fantasy, um, prospects and they're super young and they didn't you know it's a a lot of fatigue in this system honestly this is the theme i'm noticing uh you know urbino was a thing there for a minute cavaco was a thing there for a minute and they just didn't do much but they were 19 18 years old we should be giving these guys a break in my opinion um what do you guys what what do you think i know you know cavaco well as well from from bowman draft um what what do you have to add about what i just said there no, I, I think you're right. I, if you look at the middle 13, 14, 15 of Urbina, Cavaco, and Chase Petty, uh, you've got people at 19, 20, and 18 right in the middle of his tier three. Uh, 
I think that there's a lot of learning and development in that curve. You talk about a pitcher not being linear. Uh, it sometimes depends on what that hitter's working on. You know, Dave, Dave talked about that sometimes probably with Austin Martin and, and how Groshans and you mentioned it too, Alex. I think that Urbina and Cavaco having kind of an off year, the, the public is so fast to give them demerits but then super slow to to let them know, gosh, they're 19, 20, and 18. When I was 19, 20, or 18, I couldn't focus on one thing to save my life. These guys are expected to live up to the prospect billing that we we give them coming into the system. I think it's I think it's unfair. I think it's they should get a fair shakedown of another year or two to see if what they really are. David. You're the pitcher guy. I'm going to give you uh, some stats here. 100 innings, 142 strikeouts, 2.1 ERA in high A and low A is ranked at number 29. Louis Varland. What a phenomenal year for this guy. All the way down at 29. What are your thoughts on that, David? I mean... That I mean, those are really good stats for Varland, and he had a solid season. I mean, maybe there's, I don't know if uh, you know Dave's looked at him. It's like, okay, he's a 24 year old in, in a ball. You know, maybe being you know too old for that level. Uh, maybe that's part of his thinking there. Um, but I mean, with stats like that, you'd think he'd he'd certainly be higher, and, and he would be able to be higher in a system like this i mean it, it has some solid prospects in it but i mean i think he could be higher than 29 after putting up numbers like that yeah it makes me want to go check out some of the guys ahead of him that maybe i haven't heard as much because like, like blaine enlow is blaine enlow still worthy of of being you know a top 20 yeah. prospect in in this system yeah that's a good point um we'll have to have See, him on well, we have to have all these guys on at some point but um and yeah, one- let's, move, let's move on. Let's just go to the Tiger. I'm ready. I've, I've, we've made Kurt wait so long here, um, <laughs> and we got to get to the Tigers here, and we are, you know, getting towards, you know, the limit of what I think a reasonable podcast might be. So, Kurt, you're on now. We'll let you do the talking. I'm going to sit back, relax here. You take it over. Tell us about your beloved D- Detroit Tigers here in uh, their top 50 list. Well, I will say that you you making me be patient this long is about – is par for the course because tiger fans have been patient for about 10 years for <laughs> al al avila to make some smart moves and I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due the last probably 18 months to 24 months uh in the tigers organization has been smart uh for the first time in a while the major league club overperformed and they did so with the graduation of a lot of prospects last year. You know, in, in 2021, my list lost, just to kind of go down the list, Casey Myers, Akil Badu, Ter- uh, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, uh, all graduated out of, the, out of the top 50. Now, the foundational talent, the generational talent of Riley, Ge- Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson still lead the list. Um, the difficulty with the Tigers organization now is they start to compete and build a major league roster. We're learning the depth really isn't there in our farm system. You know, we have 
debatable. Uh, I know us at Prospects 1500 had a Twitter poll the other day that I was happy Detroit won. You know, the one-two punch of Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson is arguably the best one-two punch in all of minor league baseball. Behind that, they're they're a middle-of-the-road farm system. Uh, But that's a good thing because, like David mentioned about the White Sox having a poor system because the Major League Baseball team is competing for World Series or for playoffs and World Series titles, I'm hoping that's what Detroit's farm system ends up looking like in the next two years. So they are competing for those playoffs and World Series titles. Yeah, it's actually a little similar to the Padres, where we have those top two guys, and Abrams and Hassel, who are arguably the best one-two punch in the minor. No, I guess it's not. <laughs> but they're close. Like, they're close enough. And uh, after that, it, it does, you know, it drops off a little bit. But there's still a lot to like here. Um, let's start off with, I mean, we could we could talk about Riley and Spencer all day long. Uh, I've been Spencer ahead of Riley Green, and I was ready to argue about that going on here and i was like i'll just look at riley green stats really quickly uh god the things he did as a 20 year old i think i gotta keep riley green ahead of torque even though i love very very much spencer torkelson but um and, how close and this was it? Is, oh it's incredibly close it's it's fractions of a point it's it's one of those this is the first time that i have rated riley green ahead of spencer torkelson and from a fan standpoint, from a baseball standpoint, from a number standpoint, I believe Spencer Torkelson will have a better impact than Riley Green when it comes to Detroit Tiger baseball. Knowing that Prospects 1500 at the core of our, our DNA is some dynasty baseball, when Torkelson is now moving from third base to first base, and A.J. Hinch calls him the first baseman of the future, that puts Torkelson in a different fantasy position and into a position where first base, when it comes to all-stars and MVPs and, uh, you know, standout talent, Torkelson, his, his value in a dynasty world shrinks fractionally. Uh, and that's kind of why I... Dropped him to two and put Riley ahead, and I'm with you, Alex. The stuff that Riley Green was doing one year younger than Spencer is just incredible. Dave, what do you think? I'm I'm interested. You have Torque or Green uh, at number one here. I mean, that that's just kind of the the big debate. I mean, I think real life, um, you can you could see you know Spencer Torkelson being uh, the number one guy. I mean, he was the number one overall pick. Um, and you know, he's got the, the big power, the big hit tool, you know, he's got all that. Um, but I mean, that's where it comes to the real life versus fantasy debate. And, you know, in the fantasy baseball world, Riley green does bring a bit more to the table. Um, you know, especially with, with his speed and being able to get stolen bases. Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to that, having green up, above makes makes more sense so it, it just kind of comes down to what you weigh uh more heavily if you weigh the fantasy baseball aspect i could see you going with green if you weigh the uh just kind of real life uh baseball prospects um aspect it's it's torkelson so it's just a matter of what you what, what you grade more heavily and 
One second on Riley Green. Let's let's take a moment and think of how just amazing that 2019 draft stands to be with Adley Rutschman at one, Bobby Witt Jr. at two, Andrew Vaughn at three, J.J. Bladé at four, Riley Green at five, and Alex, your boy, C.J. Abrams at six. That one, one two, three, four, one, one does not belong. <laughs> well, yeah, one one may not belong, but that top six and then Riley. Josh Jung at number eight, uh, you know, working his way up in the Rangers. That that has potential to be one of those drafts that we look back at in 15 years and say, wow, like that 2005 draft. That one Correct. was stacked. Yep. Yeah. One one question here, and I think this might settle it for our listeners as well. How uh, can Riley Green stick in center defensively? Defensively, yes. Will he be asked to? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, just from a wear and tear on the body, uh, it doesn't take a common baseball fan to look at Comerica and see the wide open center field that we have. Uh, I think somebody like a Derek Hill or a uh, Akil Badu plays center while Riley Green uh, plays a corner preferably left left field and that's just to prog- protect him against a freak injury or overexertion that that's needed for his bat in the lineup interesting yeah it's still so close it's crazy it's 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 it doesn't really matter i suppose and we spent probably too long on it discussing like oh who's one and two but the point is to discuss both of those guys and I mean, I, I traded for Torque in a dynasty league, and I gave up a ton to have the per, uh, permission to draft him in a first-year player draft. Uh, I mean, I still have no regrets whatsoever. Um, and these these guys are just going to be fun to to follow. All right, let's move on. Tier two, much shorter than uh, a lot of lists, I would imagine. Uh, well, only three players here in tier two. Can you go over kind of uh, what your thinking was on limiting those three, and is it you know? big drop off for you or could you maybe have floated a Ty Madden or um, I guess the, there's not a lot I guess so maybe <laughs> you have it right on I guess yeah and it's it's just it kind of speaks to that depth once you get away from those number one and number two guys yeah there's there's a couple tier two guys but it, it almost goes into a lower tier two and some other systems that you'll see us rank across the next month um dylan dylan dingler i know you're not high on catchers i i'm still real high on on dingler uh especially when he was in double a before riley and and tort got promoted those three uh together in a lineup just they i mean they wreaked hell on double a pitching uh and then jackson job you know he was the highest drafted high schooler in the draft at number three I I get excited about a pitching prospect because I know what AJ Hinch and Chris Fetter, the pitching coach, and and their systems will do to Jackson Job. I look at Jackson Job, 19 coming out of high school, and I see a Casey Mize and I see a Justin Verlander. I see that powerful right-handed pitcher who could be, you know, that key foundational starter for Detroit. Uh, and then my number five in tier two is is a little bit higher than I think almost everybody else in in the prospect world has Roberto Campos. 
And Roberto Campos in tier two for me is is a product of he's 18 years old playing rookie ball, um, 6'3", 200, but a fast speed rangeful 6'3", 200. Uh, the only thing he needs to show is how can he adapt to American professional uh, baseball in 2021 or 2022. Sorry. David, I know you uh, you follow the draft really closely. What did you think of Jackson Job there at four for Kurt, and then Ty Madden there at six for Kurt on his list? Pretty good. I mean, I think it was a really strong draft class for them with uh, Job and Madden. I mean, getting Madden uh, at where they did with the 32nd pick, I mean, that was a massive steal uh, in my opinion. I don't know how he fell that far, but. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with Kurt there on Job. I think he's going to be a stud, um, and I, I think there, there's there's a lot to unlock with him and a lot of talent. Uh, Ty Madden, I, I think he's a really really good pitcher. Um, you know, he's got to be more coming out of college. He's going to be more polished, kind of a bit more of that safer pick. You know, he may not Madden's not going to have the upside that Job has. I mean, Job has that uh, that Justin Verlander type upside. Uh, that Kurt was talking about. Madden, Madden probably doesn't have that much, um, but I mean, he he's going to be a, a solid uh, rotation guy. You know, maybe a mid rotation arm uh, for for him, and uh, he can move up relatively quickly uh, throughout the system. And and to that point, imagine just in a future world two years from now, where it's Casey Mize, Jackson Job, Ty Madden where you have a picture of Ty Madden's quality as your number three. Uh, there's there's a lot of excitement to to be had for Tiger fans when when we look at our pitching. I mean, I've, I've got that in Milwaukee. I mean, in Milwaukee, you've got Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and you got Freddie Peralta as your number yeah. three, you know? Yep. Let's not forget that they also got Isaac Pacheco there at number That's 39 true. overall in the draft, too, um, who I've didn't know much about during the draft, but have seen a lot of hype for um, in the last couple of months here. Um, so what can you tell me about Pacheco, Kurt? Uh, amazing athletic is athleticism. Uh, to me, he is, he's the highest ceiling guy for me to have him ranked at number eight. Uh, for me, he's at, ranked at number eight just because I, I haven't seen a lot of his game. Uh, he played a little bit of uh, rookie ball where he acted like a 19-year-old. You know, he he had 43 strikeouts in 30 games. But what he didn't act like a 19-year-old is in 30 games, he was on base 42 times. Uh, I believe like 24 hits and 18 walks in 30 games, which... Yeah, it's Flor- it's Florida Coast League rookie ball, but for a 19-year-old to get on base, you know, 1.3 times a game, that's that's encouraging. What about anybody else here at uh, Tier 3 that sticks out for you? I'll, I'll let you have the floor. Anybody you want to mention? Ryan Creedler. And I owe Ryan Creedler an apology because in 2021, Ryan Creedler was not even ranked in my top 50. Uh, 24-year-old playing triple-A ball in Toledo, and he had a season where if it wasn't for a, two guys named Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, he would have been the, the, the Tigers player, the offensive player of the year. Um, just incredible development this year in, in Toledo to really just rocket up people's boards. 
it's it's one of those yeah you could say he was covered by having Torkelson and Green in the alignment in the lineup but he still had to take advantage of it and we signed Javi Baez at the big leagues you know big signing for Detroit second base could be a position where Creedler moves over and sees some time at the big leagues uh in 2022 I got one guy here that uh that I want to bring up and, and talk about here. And that was one that uh, the Brewers sent to you uh, back in July. And that's Reese Olson yes, uh, who comes you. in at number nine. I mean, he was a guy who, I mean, he wasn't even on my Brewers top 50 uh, last year and the Brewers system, you know, really hasn't been that strong and he still wasn't there. And then he had a really strong start to the season. He was catching some eyes, catching some attention uh, then he ends up getting traded for for Daniel Norris, um, and he was still like even around there. You're still kind of probably going to be around the the tier five section for me. But you've got him all the way up here in tier three in the top ten uh, at number nine. Uh, what what do you see in, in Reese Olson, and how has he really kind of grown since going over uh, to Detroit, and why is he up so high? I have Reese Olson up so high just because. He has that combination of high strikeouts, uh, you know, across Milwaukee and Detroit, 114 and 104 innings. But what really stands out for me is really what he doesn't do, and that's he doesn't give up home runs. And for anybody who's watched a lot of Detroit Tiger baseball in 2021, you saw Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal just give up tons of home runs at the major league level. So having someone like Olsen in the minor league system, be able to have that high strikeouts and, and limit the power, uh, you know, kind of pitch to a lighter contact is, is encouraging. Um, it's one of those also the lack of control that he kind of gets dinged for wasn't there at the end of, end of 2021. It seemed that he had, he had fixed some of his command and control issues uh, while still maintaining that strikeout rate. I was going to say something, and I totally forgot what I was going to say about Reese Olsen. Um, it was good, too, I promise. Never mind. Anyway. Um, I wish I could read your mind, sir. No, it was good. Uh-huh. I, I was like, well, as soon as he's done, I'll just mention it. <laughs> and then I, totally, I think it's probably time to wrap this thing up. This is going to be one of our longest podcasts ever, which is awesome because it's, you know, I'm sure people don't mind them. Uh, you know, if we cover more teams, you know, we usually do two on these. We, we try to hit all five. So, um, Kurt, anybody beyond that um, that we want to try to take a look at? Um, perhaps in your tier four or tier five range, uh, really quickly, uh, you know, sentence or two each about um, some few, a few guys down here. One one guy is Bo Brisky, number 18 on my rankings. First guy in tier four, Detroit Tigers minor league pitcher of the year last year. Uh, really showed great development in Erie. I'm excited to see what he can do in AAA next year. Uh, he's, he's a name to watch and I'm, and he's available in a lot of dynasty leagues. Uh, so it's one of those, if, if he's still out there, grab him. If not, he could probably be had for, uh, minimal return just because he's not, you know, a national name per se. Uh, 
the other one is uh, Austin Murr, out, outfielder, 22, uh, 2021 draft from uh, from this past year's draft coming out of uh, NC State. I think he has the ability to really fly up some organizational farm systems uh, with his bat. I did remember what I was going to say about <laughs> it's, it's out of context now, but uh, sometimes when you get a new player from an organization, it's that shiny new toy. Um, and we had a, a guy like that in the Padres where I was like, Oh, Hey, I remember uh, you, you look pretty good. And then of course, you know, you want the team to win that trade. So it's like, Oh yeah, we stole this guy from the Brewers. Let's, let's make David feel bad. It didn't take much to win that trade given the way Daniel Norris pitched. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> This is true. I said that name and I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I was I was shocked that we got Olsen in return for him, too. When it I happened. was shocked they gave up Olsen for, yeah. for Daniel Norris. I'm like, really? Like, the, I think they gave up more for Daniel Norris than they gave up for Eduardo Escobar. Possibly. You're, you're like, they gave up right. Cooper Hummel and Alberto Cyprian, who was in, like, the DSL. Like, wasn't even one of our main guys in the DSL. Um, and, like, they gave up those guys for Eduardo Escobar. And they give up Reese Olsen, who was having a phenomenal season, for Norris. And it's just like, why? Well, no takebacks. Yeah, no, and it's too late for that. That's, <laughs> that's going to be your preview for next week when we do go over the Brewers um, and the rest of the yes. NL intro. So, so, David, that'll be your moment to shine. That'll be next week. We'll try to get uh, the rest of the NL Central, some of your other favorite teams, I know, David. So, um, I'm sure you'll have nothing but nice things to say about all those Cardinals prospects and Reds prospects. Uh, oh, well. yes. But I think that is where we will wrap it up again. So uh, I think we did it. I think this is the longest podcast we've ever done. Um, but, hey, we we hit five farm systems. And I know in the past, you know, we would get some guests on and we go really in depth. And that's fantastic. I love those. Um but then we would skip over some teams. And I think this way we get something from every team. There's something here for everybody listening. Um, and we'll, we'll, that's my goal is to try to get to every single team at some point. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and uh, hearing about some of those players on the teams in the AL Central. Kurt, I want to thank you for coming on and staying with us for so long. I got to pay you some overtime. But anything uh, you want to add here? Uh, again, maybe your Twitter handle or anything else that you're working on that people need to know about. You bet. One, pay me in sour beer. Two, uh, you, you can find me in all my Detroit sports references uh, and hobby connections on Twitter. It's D-E-T underscore guru underscore Kurt. Um, and in February, I've got a pitchers and catchers of the Tigers organization. Uh, just to highlight, hopefully we get baseball and the pitchers and catchers report as as timed. Uh, but with pitchers and catchers reporting, I'm going to have a, an article on prospect pitchers and i'm gonna say it with a smile and then catchers because alex i love i know you love catchers my two favorite positions yeah <laughs> hey you got to get pitchers you got to get them i just don't want to uh lose out on my draft picks when i pick a pitcher but anyway that's for another day david thanks for uh for sticking around with us too this whole time uh hope you guys enjoyed again check out these top 50 lists that are coming out daily they're awesome uh so much information there to keep you over until baseball comes back, which who knows when that's coming back, but uh, hopefully you can get some information, get up on those dynasty league mates of yours that are taking this, this 
off season off, which is a mistake. But anyway, this is Futures Focus Podcast. Alex Sanchez with you, David Gasper, Kurt Moody. We will talk to you soon. See you next week.